Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's going on, everybody? Paddle and Finn has got a meetup going down October 16th through 18th at Eastport Marina and Resort in Alpine, Tennessee, which which falls right on Dale Hollow. What we're going to be doing is just hanging out, fishing, uh, depending on the number of people that show up and the interest, we may do a small tournament. Uh, we will have some stuff to give away Saturday evening. We're going to do a hangout and a little little barbecue action. We'll have food for everybody. If you're looking for lodging, you could stay right at the resort. It's $50 per person per night. Um, and what you get is your own personal bedroom on a houseboat, luxury houseboat, courtesy Eastport Marina. That's a special price they gave us to lend to our listeners. If you want uh, more info on the resort, you can go to eastport.info and uh, their website will pop up there. You'll see all the houseboats and things like that. A majority of our hosts are going to be there and we would love to spend some time on the water with you. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. This is the final cast segment with your hosts, Brad Hicks and Josh Eldridge, where we cast our final opinions on all products, good and bad. Welcome to the final cast. Welcome back, everybody, to the final cast. I'm filling in for your hosts, Brad Hicks and Josh Eldridge. You got the OG Brian Schiller on the horn tonight. And tonight, you guys, we are talking to Danny Blanford from Secret Lures. Uh, we're going to get a little background on Danny and uh, what uh, Secret Lures is about and their lineup of products. And uh, I'm looking forward to this one. I've uh, heard a lot about you guys, and uh, I don't know enough about you guys. So this will be an educational experience for me, and I hope everybody else listening, man. So, Danny, welcome. Welcome to the Paddle and Finn podcast, my friend. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And 
you know, you hit on the fact that they didn't know much about us, and that's that's really what we're trying to change here. Uh, I, I told people early on when when I was kind of evaluating this project, I said I honestly believe it to be some of the best tackle people haven't heard of, and uh, kind of got a background in the, I guess, the marketing and business side of the fishing industry, and I thought, well, I, I think I know how to help, you know, I, I know how to drive awareness, and I got a great product, so... Uh, my wife Holly and I jumped on this project uh, about two years ago. I guess we're 18 months, two years, somewhere around there. Right on. And uh, you know, it's been a good, off to a good start. What a wild year we've all had, right? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, talking to one of our hosts today, and she was uh, she was telling me she's telling me some things that happened over the weekend at a fishing tournament and things like that. And it, it's just crazy, man. Uh, uh, you know. It, Let's just hope 2021 is much better. <laughs> so I feel like it's got a real solid shot, right? It's kind of like blanking on day one. You got nowhere to go but up, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I feel like 2020 has kind of been like a, a skunk in the live well, right? So next yeah. year's bound to be better. One bite making progress. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the way I'm looking at it, my man. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's good. You know, like I said, I, I don't know much about Secret Lures. I've heard uh, many good things about you guys. And I think it's better, you know, uh, when I do these interviews, you know, um, if I don't know that much because I ask the questions um, that I would normally ask, whereas if I'm overeducated on a certain, you know, bait or technique or something along those lines, I kind of skip over some of that stuff. So this, this should be a good one, man. I, I definitely appreciate you taking the time tonight. And, uh, I guess let's just start off, man, a uh, little background on you, who you are and, uh, how you got into the fishing industry, my friend. Uh, you know, I, I joke all the time. I say it's because my dad didn't ever want to get a babysitter. So I grew up in a bass boat, you know, that's how it all started. <laughs> that's and, awesome. Uh, one day talking to him and I apologize. I'm like, Dad, you know, I kind of bust your chops occasionally for uh, being too cheap to get a babysitter and making me grow up in a boat, you know. And I said, but please, no, I'm totally kidding. I wouldn't change that time for anything. But it, it really kind of encapsulates how I got here. I mean, we, uh, I'm a river rat. We're located on the Ohio River. And I kind of think that's a testament to how much I love fishing. Because if you can become an angler and, and enjoy fishing on a fishery like this, sure, uh, it, I, I probably would have failed out of school and, and been a bum if I lived somewhere that had a lot of bass, right? Because, <laughs> but, you know, the, the drive is real. The drive is real. And, uh, you know, thanks to dad and, and even my mother, I just came from a fishing family, whether we were catching bluegill or doing competition bass stuff. It's just small town, you know, not a lot of distractions. And if you wanted to do stuff, you went outside and you went fishing. That's awesome. And, um, yeah, you know, so I was fishing in high school way before it was cool. Uh, I joke with some folks, my, uh, my high school class ring had a bass jumping on one side and a guy with a bow and arrow on the other. Nice. And I graduated you know, well into the 90s. There wasn't high school fishing. There wasn't archery in the school yeah. programs, things like that. It just, I was a country kid, and that's what I did. So uh, went off school at Indiana University, got involved in the IU Bass Club real early. Um, like, you know, I think first week, first semester, they were having a call-out meeting, and I went to check out what it was about. Uh, the Indiana Bass Federation in our state was just – years ahead of everybody else you know we had college bass fishing in 85 and 87 in indiana not organized like what you see today or whatever but we were doing it and our, and our federation guys were were really driving that um guy by the name of uh elton crabtree 
and Dan Pardue, some different, you know, these are, these are older gentlemen that still fish and, and really they, I don't know. I don't know if I thank them or blame them, but it, yeah. <laughs> that's where it got in my system. And, uh, you know, I've got a formal education in other stuff and I worked in my field for about six or eight months, but in college I had told several different people, Hey, if anything ever comes up in the fishing business, you know, uh, let me know. So I'd love, you know, I'd love to do it. And right out of, you know, six months, eight months into a career that I had planned for, I got an opportunity to become a, to do some work with Skeeter boats, G3 boats and Yamaha motors. Nice. And, uh, when they called it, Hey, we got a, we got a really tough territory and I don't think it'll be a great job in the beginning, but there's opportunity. Sure. And, um, man, I jumped in that and did that for six, seven, eight years, something like that. And, and at that point doing the boat thing, uh, you make so many industry contacts because you're at the trade shows, you're doing the classes and you're doing all that. And anywhere I went, anytime I got a, an opportunity, I'm like, Hey, if something ever comes up, let me know. Sure. So I really have I guess at this point, about 25 years in the industry, but I've always been on the operational side of things. Sales or operations. Uh, had some times with college bass fishing. I had a, a good stint with the Association of Collegiate Anglers that uh, kind of let me bring things full circle and close that loop on college. gave me an opportunity, and I spent several years over there working with uh, Careco TV and the Association of Collegiate Anglers on their collegiate programs. And that was very fulfilling and, and really good. I mean, I, I just absolutely enjoyed it. And, um, I thought I had gotten to a point I wanted out of the fishing space. So I, uh, went off and did something for about five years, ran another business. It was in the, the restaurant industry, mm-hmm. uh, really successful with it, but it wasn't fishing after five years out. I realized, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm duck out of the water now, you know, a, a fish out of water, so to speak. And, um, my wife and I, we sold that business. We, it was a successful business. It just wasn't our deal. Sure. Um, and we sold it, and we took to sold it, took a little break, and, and really thought about what we wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to be back in this space. And her skill set from previous employment was, you know, inventory management, warehouse duty, shipping, ordering, that kind of stuff. She's an ace at. And it's like, well, with what I know about sales and industry and what you know about shipping, receiving, and the logistics – uh, we'd make a, you know, we'd, we'd make a pretty good team. We ought to find something in fishing again. Sure. And with that combination of, you know, with that combination of experience at that point there, you've got to have a widget and you've got to, you know, you sell said widget, right? So, um, secret lures, a friend of mine had that and wildly successful for the effort that he put in. Um, he had it for almost a decade, but it, it was as kind of a side hustle and a, and a pet project. He made a great tackle but he had full-time job and commitments that required him. He didn't get to do the sales side, okay. you know, and, and over the course. Yeah. So, and over the course of a decade, Nathan Gray built up a, just a huge stable of great products and the sales and fulfillment side never really got put into gear because of time constraints. And, um, he was in a situation where he needed to sell it. He knew that I had sold the business and was looking to do something. And we, we kind of started there and it took us quite some time to, to actually do the deal, right? Because I wanted to put together a team and make sure that some of my industry folks and some of my marketing people and things like that were on board to help me with another project. Yeah. And um, all kind of came together. We bought Secret Lures and I joke with people all the time, you know, I've never done this. I've been in the space, but I've not done this part of it. Sure, sure, uh, sure, sure. So, you know, I spent the first year pre-fishing. We, we moved around to different items and in things in the in the space. We tried things. We found out where we could get bites. We found out where, you know, best best section of the lake to be in, right? And so yeah. we spent the first year, spent the first year really 
pre-fishing. And this past year, we've kind of honed in on a couple of things we thought we did well uh, with a couple of products that, you know, they work well for anglers. And, and so we uh, put some emphasis on direct-to-consumer. We put some emphasis on our marketing efforts. Um, I partnered with my friends at Careco TV on television. We got involved in the Association of Collegiate Anglers. Uh, kind of went back to all those little passion plays I was telling you about along sure. the way that got me here. And and we've started relationships with those folks, and we've just been working real hard. And and then you know the COVID thing hit. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if we were smart or lucky, but what a great time to be direct to consumer, right? Like it worked yeah. out fine. Oh yeah. 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 It seems like. Uh, well, even still, man. I mean, um, I had a, a little little lull in my day, and I was waiting to go visit a customer, and I walked into a Cabela's, and like shelves are empty um mm -hmm. which and, and but not only that but the store was empty not a ton of people in there things like that um and i've heard that complaint um from various you know friends of mine throughout the the kayak fishing world is like you go into a, a brick and mortar store right now you can't find anything so everybody's going the the direct to consumer route um you know a some people are a little weary of going into, you know, stores that could have a potentially a big amount of people. But, you know, B, it's just it's hard to get things at those brick and mortar stores where it's guys like you that are going direct to consumer that, you know, you can count on your order getting shipped out in a timely fashion and getting it on your doorstep in a timely fashion. Um, so that's cool, man. I, I'm, I'm glad it, it's, uh, it's working out for you. I mean, the, with that question in mind, I mean, does, do you think if you guys were a brick and mortar store versus direct to consumer, how do you think that might've hindered you guys through all this? Uh, you know, I don't know. I've had several people ask me, I told you the most, my most recent project was a, was a restaurant, right? And, and I yeah. wouldn't wish, I, I wouldn't wish that set of circumstances. Oh, yeah. and people ask me how you like tackle gig, and I tell them, you know, I, I wouldn't trade problems with anybody, right? At the end right. of the day, we all got to solve problems all day long, every day, right? Sure. Well, sure. I don't want to trade mine for anybody's. Right. <laughs> uh, I like mine. Uh, but, you know, we do have a dealer network, um, and those guys, I've stayed in close touch with them, and, and they're fighting exactly what you talked about. Um, yes. Good friend of mine, a, a local store that stocks basically everything we make, and we have a great relationship with. I talk to him on a weekly basis, and he may place an order for seven to ten thousand dollars worth of merchandise for his store and he's lucky to get fifteen hundred bucks oh, and wow. this is through major shares and major you know the guy wants to spend the money he wants to buy more product because people are coming in and asking for it but it's not available right. and you know our plan was our plan was to work on that dealer distribution and, and that whole network this year but what everybody is facing whether it's cabela's or a little guy like me or my local tackle store it's supply issues sure um yep you know, our system was built for normal. We did the usual, the normal. The the tackle supply industry did very well, right? Because we did it year in, year out. You're you're selling down in the fall. You're stocking up prior to the classic. You're getting ready for ICAT. The cycle was so ingrained, and then you get this stick in the spokes. Yeah. And demand goes through the roof, right? I mean, demand yeah. went through the roof, and your supply chain people can't bring the people into the facility because they can't be that close. Sure. Um, your hook guy, your hook guys can't get the hooks because shipping is disrupted. Yeah. And so we, we, 
direct to consumer worked out well for us, but it absolutely held us back because direct consumer was one of the prongs of our multi prong approach. It just so happened that was the one we got done first, thankfully. Yeah. But we had a, you know, our inventory situation was say the people that are asking for it directly on a, you know, a customer by customer basis or dump it all into one or two retail locations and wait six more weeks for the next batch to show up. Yeah. And, you know, we, we need those dealers. We love those dealers. Those independent dealers will be a big part of what we do going forward, but we've got to get the supply chain back in a situation where we've got enough to go around for everybody. Sure. Um, sure. Had we been, had been geared towards a dealer network to begin with, then the website would have been out of stock. Right. You, know, you, right. you just, there's not ability to service everybody. You know, I see your shirt there and those guys are, are just, you know, the, the tackle warehouse is a beast. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, we do our best to keep Tackle Warehouse and what they need because those guys do such a great job for the brand and, and it's so convenient. And, sure. you know, between them and SecretLures.com, our supply chain could basically feed those two monsters this year. And, and of course, we do have 10 or 12 key, key dealers in the Midwest that are that are absolutely getting it done. And they, they were shook up in the beginning, but there were ways to keep working. And, and we all got a pretty quick pick-me-up when we started seeing – the foot traffic coming through, you know, yeah. whether that be web web sitters coming to me or people coming through the tackle store with a mask on, right? But people yeah, were out right. fishing, and you know, I think we might have got better at back to nature type stuff, back to family type stuff out of this deal because a lot of our normal distractions were taken away from us, right? So we kind of got back to some really core things, and man, what a great time to be a fishing company! It, yeah. It's just, it's yeah. an amazing thing. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, I, I, I work part-time for a kayak shop, and it, it, at any given point in time, typically we have roughly anywhere between two and 300 boats in stock. Right now, we might have three. And, <laughs> okay, so it's not just... No, no, and it's anything outdoors, and, and you touched on it, man. It, it, it's great to see folks... You know, I've said this a couple times on the podcast, putting these cell phones down, the tablets down, and especially the kids, and going outside and playing. Because everybody's been cooped up in the house, afraid of, you know, going outdoors uh, or out in public. You know, you can't can't go to a ball game. You can't go to a concert. Uh, a lot of people aren't... Um, a lot of people aren't taking vacations, things like that. So what are they doing? They're going out and recreating. And I know uh, I was talking to a few people, you know, within the past couple of weeks, um, bike shops as well. It's hard to find a bicycle right now, you know, so it's good. I, it, like you said, I think it's, it's great because people are getting outside and not only that, but families, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times you go out and I'm sure you've seen this being in the restaurant business, a family of four will sit down at a table and they're all doing this, looking into their phones. And it's just, it's sad, you know, yeah. like I remember as a kid, like that, that was the thing. We all sat down at the dinner table so we could talk about each other's days and, you know, what's coming up the week for the weekend and things like that, man. And I think you're seeing more of that now because of this. So I mean, in a way, as much as I hate the virus and what it's done to the world, um, in a way, I like the way it's kind of changed uh, what people mm -hmm. are doing. You know what I mean? Um, it, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, it, it's just great to see people getting back out there and, and doing things outdoors. And especially, 
you know, that's the thing too, is, um, you know, it's always been a question like, you know, a lot of these kids are, are still, um, stuck in the video games and the, in the cell phones and social media and all that stuff. Whereas you're seeing a lot more kids getting out there fishing now. And it's, it just means our sport is going to survive and keep striving forward. And especially in your state of Indiana, like I know you're not super familiar with the kayak world, but in the state of Indiana, um, and, and I know, you know, uh, my friend, Matt Gibson, he runs a kayak Mm -hmm. club there and the top five anglers of his clubs are, are all like 21 years old and younger, you know, which is awesome. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. And, and Matt likes donating his money to them. So I'm sure he's going to listen to this. So I I need to throw that in there, you know? Hey, Digs and jabs at fishing buddies is not unique to the bass boat crowd because that was no. awesome and no disrespect, but I, I love that man and, and that that's what it's about you know the camaraderie right at the end of the day absolutely I think that's probably the cool thing I, I've been thinking a lot about this lately because we we just passed a milestone of an anniversary on the tackle and uh, you know I've just been thinking a lot about man there, there's guys now that. You know, they text me, they call me, we're, we're, we're friends that, you know, they come to, they'd rather come pick up their tackle so we can hang out and, and talk for a little bit. Sure. And, um, in the company, we were competitors, right? Like I just knew that that guy's a stick or man, I don't want to see that guy back in such and such area. I know he fishes there, but I didn't know him as individuals. Sure. And through secret rules, Holly and I have made so many great friends that, you know, if we had a big function, it's not just. Uh, you know, friends, now it's friends and families and customers who have become friends and at times even feel like family because of, of that continuity we've worked now. And, and that's been the really cool part of, of what we do. I can think of a dozen new friends I have that, you know, we've all fished together. I've known them around, you know, oh, I know that dude or I've seen that guy. And, but now they're, now it's a personal thing, right? And, and that's really a cool thing when you can, trade fishing lures for dollars and make friends like come on i'm pretty blessed dude yeah yeah no i hear you man i mean uh i can attest to that too uh, since i did this started doing this podcast you know i'm the original founder of it and things like that i got friends all over the country that you know on any given day i'll get a phone call from a couple of them and you know we talk mm-hmm. like we've been friends since we were five six years old you know and it's it's great. The the camaraderie aspect of the fishing world is just unbelievable. I mean, you can't beat it, man. Um, it's, yeah, it's something about the, the youth in Indiana, and that that's really been a passion play for us because it, it mattered to me. It changed my life at the college level. But we've got so many more touch points now with the systems that have been built. You know, you mentioned knowing that from Indiana. Indiana is a weird little animal from a fishing standpoint, like, we have very few good fishing opportunities and yet yeah. we have a huge group of people who fish. I mean, pre I'll go way back, but pre uh, TBF BASS nation split stuff, Indiana had one of the largest bass federations in the country. Like think about that for a minute. You know, I get up your way. We touch the great lakes, right? Like yep. that's amazing fisheries. But at the time, you know, that's kind of a new thing too, right? Like the great lakes get better every year. You know, with, at the time, our federation was the, the largest. We had equipment limitations. The Great Lakes weren't as great from a fishing perspective. And, and then we had places that, you know, we called the Dead Sea, and we were to the south. We had the Ohio River, right? Like, right. we did not have good fishing yet. You know, at its peak, our federation had thousands. I'm thinking 
between three and four thousand members. Like, oh, wow. how does a bunch of guys in Indiana come together in that kind of size with the limited opportunities we have? Yet a state like Texas, where everybody and their brother has access to quality <laughs> fishing, right? How are we? Them, right? But maybe it's a function of the limited things to do in Indiana. So we all get together and looking for camaraderie and fishing. But, um, man, our federation, even after the split, we've got two great groups of people with our Bass Nation. Um, we sponsor a, a youth high school fishing program with those guys. And just prior to our call, I was getting some gift certificates ready for uh, the big bass winners who are going to be on Lake Monroe this coming weekend. Uh, oh, nice. A guy by the name. Yeah, a guy by the name of Brian McCutcheon and his wife, they have worked their tails off this year to invigorate that program and do great things for these kids. And, man, that that says something about them as people, but it says something about our anglers in the state as a whole, too, right? Like, it's, it's a very – it's just an awesome thing to do for kids. It's an awesome thing to do for the sport. And so we, we're involved at the high school level. We're involved at the college level through the Association of Collegiate Anglers and the Bass Pro Shops Tournament Series. Um We've even done some really cool fundraiser programs. You know, we, we haven't really got to the meat and potatoes of what we do, but we're, amongst other things, we're known for the stupid tube. We own the, you know, we own stupid tube and not just the name, not just the products, but we also own the production facilities, the recipes and the whole deal. That's what we do as it's one part of what we do. Nice. And, um, knowing the college fishing and the high school fishing side of things, the biggest challenge is fundraising. Yeah. So you look at, you look at successful programs, right? It's it's the Boy Scouts with popcorn. It's the Girl Scouts with cookies. It's it's an organization with a product and a network of supporters. Sure. So we did some killer did some killer projects this year where we did school theme colors. You know, we did a red and white tube for Indiana University called Candy Stripe. We oh, donated cool. that product to the club. These guys are out selling it. It's not just novelty from a color standpoint, but we made stuff that would work using their colors. Sure. And so these guys are out selling five dollars a bag and they're getting to put that money and stuff their coffers and we did a boiler uh, boiler tube for purdue we got a black and gold we've done hancock county kentucky high school a few other high school programs and it goes back to what i said i mean we're trading fish and lures for dollars and and in this case we don't want those dollars we just want the fish and lures to make fishing better and, and do something for the kids so that was a cool thing that i really enjoyed and that goes back to what i was saying about just feeling real fortunate to have these opportunities with you know, my mom tells everything I do fishing worms, and I, I get yeah. a huge kick out of that because we don't have a worm, right? You know, a tube, and yeah. she'll call and she's like, "Are you guys worms again today?" Yeah, yeah, mom. 14, 16 hours a day with worms, and uh, it's going good. You know? That's awesome. So, yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I was I was surfing around the website before we uh, jumped on the call here, and I saw the fundraiser stuff. And I was curious about the the backstory on that. And that's really cool, man. Mm -hmm. I love seeing that. Um, you know, like I told my son, my son, uh, you know, he just graduated this past year from high school, but they had a bass club. And I'm like, dude, just just do it. Like, do you know what I would have gave mm -hmm. to have that in high school, you know? And uh, yeah. and we joke about it, but it, it's great, man. I, I love seeing you know, not only the college level, but the high school level now, it's becoming more popular and seeing great companies support those those programs, you know, it's it's phenomenal. And not only that, but the parents, the coaches and stuff that are helping, you know, supply the boats, um, maybe tackle rods, things like that, man. It, it's great to see companies like that. And I mean, that's the thing, too. I mean, you guys aren't a, a super huge company, right? You're not Z-Man. You're yes. not, you know 
uh, Powerbait or Berkeley or whomever, and you guys are still, you know, stepping up to the plate and helping out those organizations, which is huge, man. And I, I mean, I don't know anybody that's a college fisherman or a high school fisherman, but I'm just going to say thank you for that because um, that's huge, man. I mean, that's the future of our sport. And without uh, guys, guys like you stepping up to the plate like that, um, you know, some of those, some of those teams may not survive. So thank you, man. Well, that's awesome. And I appreciate that. You know, people ask where it comes from and I feel like it's part of giving back because I was fortunate. You know, I told you dad, mom, uncle, I had an uncle when my dad was working, he would come pick me up on Thursday nights. Shout out to uncle Kent. If he happens to see a link (laughs) or something we share, but uncle Kent would work and then he would come and drive out to my house, pick me up, take me to fish a Thursday night tournament for three hours and then, you know, very seldom did we win anything. I mean, he was fishing with a kid that couldn't get it done, right? So, sure. but afterwards, maybe we'd eat some pizza or do something, and then he'd drop me off. Like, man, I know how lucky I am to have not one or two touch points in my life. I was surrounded by it, and there's so many folks that don't have that. <clears throat> you know, they just don't. And, and it, you know, both parents working, maybe dad doesn't understand fishing, maybe it's not conv- you know, whatever. There's a million reasons sure. not to fish. Sure. But now there's a structure where a high school curriculum can get involved and do that. And at the collegiate level, same deal. Sometimes these guys are getting well into their 20s and showing up at college, still not having had that exposure. Sure. And you don't catch them all. I don't think you can catch them all, but at least it's there. Yeah. Uh, I think of some guys that came to IU Bass Club while I was there that, <clears throat> you know, they were the guys that held the spinning rod like this. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Sure. And, sure. uh <laughs> we're loaning them tackle we're stringing them up we're like here dude throw this bait and ironically enough i can think of a couple of those guys that caught more fish in college competition than i did you know (laughs) but but you know those guys left college at least with an awareness of fishing and and outdoor time and all that and so if we can do anything to help that like that that's a no-brainer to me and and it's that's the easy and the fun part of what we do right so yeah um i appreciate the shout out and it's all about barriers to entry. I think we can overcome some of those. And, and when Matt suggested I get, you know, talk to you guys and do this, I was excited because I've watched what you guys have done with kayak fishing as an organization, right? As a whole kayak fishing, what a cool deal, because if you wanted to be in a boat before and have the, the, I don't know, it, it took more boat, right? I, I mentioned I was a boat salesman. I remember, when we got our first pricing and these, these things were going over 30 grand and I'm like, man, guys, the people I know that buy bass boats, 30 grand is a significant investment. I'm worried sure. about this. Sure. That was 20 years. Now, now they're 80, right? 70, yeah. 80. Yeah. hundred, hundred. Those new yeah. Lexuses are going for over a hundred. It's crazy. Yeah. MSRP. I've been in the business. MSRP things a joke. Don't ever pay MSRP for a boat. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's still a barrier to entry, right? Like even a dude with a good job, and especially if it, like the guys that I help, they're getting out of college. They got college debt. They've got stuff they got to take care of, right? They got to play house and take care of everything. Sure. Whereas with kayaks, I know I'll drop some serious coin. I'm not making them sound cheap, but you all have provided uh, back to the camaraderie we talked about. You provided an affordable means to fish. You've provided an affordable way to compete, right? Yeah, and absolutely. going and sitting on the bank fishing and competing are much different. 
the guy that wants to compete and the guy that wants to fish, they're not necessarily one and the same. So right. I love the kayak side of things and, and we want to be more involved in that space. So when I got the opportunity to talk to you, I'm like, heck yeah, I want to talk to somebody that paddles yeah. and fishes from a kayak. That's cool. Yeah, for sure, man. No, we're happy to have you. And, and I get it. I, I, you know, the kayak fishing has become more popular, you know, obviously like you touched on, like bass boats aren't cheap. The price keeps going up and, the, the development of the fishing kayak, um, you know, you look back 10 years to what it is now and it's just absolutely unbelievable. And, and it, it, any, any average Joe can, can afford to get into kayak fishing. Um, but then mm-hmm. it's a it, it's, it's all a downhill slope because once you're in it, you're not getting out of it. <laughs> you know, it's just like the basketball world, you know, I understand. But, but um, it, 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 yeah, yeah. So it's it it's great to see it, man. Uh, it's great to see more companies catching on and and actually realizing like, hey, these guys got something going on over here, which is great, man. And uh, we appreciate you, uh, you know, t- doing this and uh, you know wanting to get more involved in the kayak world, man. It's uh, the more companies that we get involved in it, the better off we're all going to be. And next thing you know, uh, you know, our national championships going to be just as prestigious as the Bassmaster Classic. You know, so it'll be cool. It'll be. Cool. I hope so. I hope there's kids out there watching what you guys are doing and watching your events with the same kind of Google that I look I had when I watched my, you know, my TN, TNN Bassmaster. Yeah. That's that's my generation. Yeah. yeah right on. Right Hopefully on. Uh, kids out there watching your podcast and getting fired up about fishing the same way I did as a you know a ten and twelve year old guy like that that'd be awesome for sure for so. sure well let's let's dive into the secret lures man I know you mentioned the stupid tube so uh, my big question is why why are why are we calling it the stupid tube <laughs> uh, you know I got to be honest I bought that I, I may have chose the name of something else but uh, that was that horse was out of the barn when I came along but I can tell you the backstory uh, 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 a successful Indiana bass angler by the name of Terry McWilliams uh, it really it had been around for a while guys in Indiana were doing it uh, it was all about an internal rigging of a jig head in a tube and it led to an erratic action the problem was people were using all different kinds of tubes and it was there wasn't a jig head made with an extra wide gap and the right angle to really do it right so there were guys taking like bald head jigs and needle nose pliers and bending the hook to make it basically be Texas rigged. You know, we do, we don't have a lot of fish, but we've got a lot of cover in Indiana. Sure. And um, so they wanted it weedless. They wanted the benefits of a jig head with the benefits of a Texas rig. So essentially that's in a nutshell, that's what it is. But um, Terry had been using that for a while in Indiana and he made it to the Bassmasters classic um, lay Lake, I believe. Terrible. I should know that stat. Sorry, I didn't prep my notes. But <laughs> I think it was like 2012 or 2013 from what I read. Yeah, right. So Terry went and he did what Indiana guys do, right? I mean, he just went with what he knew and, and did what he did. And, and uh, every day he led the Bassmasters Classic throwing that tube. And he, he didn't really have a name for it then. It wasn't really a thing at that time. But he was on ESPN at that time, Bassmasters Television coverage. And he's just catching them. Right. And, and everybody loves, I don't know if you're familiar with our side of the world of tournament bass fishing and bass and all that, but yeah. everybody wants a nice guy to win again. Right. Like not since Brian Kershaw has 
a dude came up through the ranks and beat the guys and went away champion, you know, the big trophy hoist right, and all that. Right, right. So, so element of a, a whole national federation rooting for guys like Terry to do well. And he got a lot of television time and at different times, the camera guy was sliding in and shooting over his shoulder and things like that. And they asked him, said, Terry, tell me about your bait. He said, well, back home, we just call it the old stupid two, you know? And, uh, so there's a picture of Terry holding the bait and the guy shooting over his shoulder and Terry says back home, we call it the stupid tube. Well, next thing you know, you get a lower third graphic on ESPN that says stupid tube and yeah. you see a guy catching up and, you know, it was off to the races at that point. So, um, Terry's website got crashed and everybody wanted to know more about it and how to get it. And, and at that time there really, there wasn't one. I mean, it was literally a Frankenstein deal that was, cobbled together and there were a few people that made runs that hey we can use this tube and we can figure out how to use this jig head and and we'll call it the stupid tube to try to kind of capitalize on terry's deal but it, there was no consistency in what was going on right they were subbing things in and it just it wasn't its own thing it was just a combination of things other people made and along the way terry went to the previous owner of secret lures and said man uh, you know this thing blew up and it, it yeah. catches a lot of fish and I need some help it, getting it produced the right way. Right. I want the right hook. This is what the hook needs to be. We need the right tube. This is what the tube needs to be. You know, we need something thin, but anyway, so Terry gave the feedback to secret lures and um, the previous owner, Nathan Gray was a great tackle tinkler tinkerer. Um, he had suppliers that would work with him and he had that right kind of knowledge to, uh, you know, see it through and with terry's input they put together a stupid tube and it was the first one you know it, everybody feels like if you stick a jig head up the butt of your tube yeah. and and do the deal you know it's a stupid tube but really there's one um and, you know terry and i joke sometimes because of all the different configurations of other products we see trying to do what we do and and we kind of have this little saying and it uh, i said you know just because you can stick a hook up something's butt doesn't mean you should yeah right <laughs> I love it. It's kind of our deal. And and so we we really ran with it and and it was wildly successful here locally and that story was never told. It was never documented on video. Um and the distribution and none of that was ever worked on. And so when we bought the company, I I used it for several months during the maybe we'll buy it, maybe we won't phase. I spent a lot of time using it because I've always been a Texas rig tube flipper prior to owning Secret Lures. I mean, I grew up with, you know, started with Gitsits, right? That's whenever I, when I first was introduced to a, a tube, it was a Gitsit and I was maybe 10 or 12. But for the same reason, it came on a jig head. You can't throw a jig head on the Ohio River where I live because you lose it every cast. So I saw the benefit of it and, and we started telling that story more effectively and we started working on the distribution and we sent it out to lots of other markets and sure. this thing has gone bonkers you know um since terry hit terry's nephew matt mccoy qualified for the bassmaster classic on a green pumpkin secret lure stupid tube uh nick ratliff won uh, the college bracket deal a couple of years ago on and he was using a green pumpkin stupid tube for some of his key fish and he was switching back and forth between a few tubes but you know that's three people that have fished their way into the classic with a little green jig head made by our small and growing company down here in Southern Indiana. Yeah. And um, what, what's been cool now that we've done the direct to consumer is we we're starting these pockets and it's spreading, 
you know, we've got some kayak anglers in West Virginia, for example, that, you know, well, I want to try this. I think this might be good for kayak fishing where we fish because we've got rivers and we got current, we got smallmouth, and sure. you you send a, a ten or twenty dollar order goes into a place, and ten days later that guy's sending back a, a hundred dollar order. Uh, he needs more colors. He needs more sizes. You know, and that tells me right away it worked, right? So, and then his buddy who's you know in the same county in the same area, and you see this kind of I don't know this just natural organic spread, and yeah. now it's West Virginia River kayak fishermen are throwing the stupid tube. We've got guys doing well on the Potomac, uh, doing great in tournaments on the Potomac. We've got a pocket in Manny, Louisiana. You know that's Toledo Bend. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got yep. we've got people in Colorado, Idaho, and California. You know that are that nice. these, these pockets are developing. So look, dude, if it'll work in Idaho and it'll work on Toledo Bend and it'll work on the Potomac, like we're yeah. good. It, it, Obviously, it's, something's yeah. figured out. <laughs> I like it. So we, and and that's not all we do. We we do we make great flipping jigs. We do football jigs. We've got a, an amazing swim jig that is a dialed in product. That if you kind of look through our catalog, you'll see that everything we do is. It seems different, right? Like, well, why do they make this swim jig in this way and not that way? And it's because even the hooks and the, the weights of the jig heads were matching up because. You know, a north a northern style swim jig, for example. We all know the the wire tied deal, the cone head that everybody in the north likes for swim jig. Mm-hmm. Well, the guys in Alabama, that's not what they, that's not what they think of as a swim jig, right? They want something a little different. Well, rather, so we have a north version of our swim jig. It's a quarter ounce head. It's a light wire hook. It's what guys in your part of the country are used to, sure. and it's a good one. And they also got. Uh, a south version that is very similar to you know it's what the guys want in the south it's three eighths of an ounce it's a stout hook because they're probably using 17 to 20 pound fluorocarbon or maybe even braid and so as you look through our stuff you'll see that we make real specific tools for real specific jobs that's and cool. um, i think that's what's cool about what we do. that's very cool man and you guys got a an array of terminal tackle as well too correct yeah, we do jig heads. We make great shaky heads. We do a shaky head with an extra wide gap hook and a football-shaped head. Um, that thing, same deal. It, it, you get these like cult-like pockets. When the guys get it and they figure out how to use it on the water, it, it's all they use. You know, that wide gap shaky head, guys are rigging creature baits and, and different bulkier things that you don't normally think of for a shaky head, but we've got this great shaky head application for it. Likewise, we make that same style head, but we do a straight chain hook for, uh, you know, the guy that wants a robo worm on it or the guy that wants a, a zoom finesse worm or something specific. You know, there's a jig head for that. And in our shaky head game, we run that all the way up to an eight out, an eight out head and a three quarter ounce weight for 10 and 11 inch worms. So, cool. you know, we, yeah, so there's that stuff. We do, uh, the tube game has exploded for us because we found that, the presentation of the stupid tube jig head is applicable at all sizes of tubes and applicable at all depths, right? It's not just a shallow bank beating little finesse thing. I mean, we do a, our flipping tube, for example, is quite a bit fatter and bigger than your traditional four inch flipping tube. Um, what's cool about that though, is because we have the production side, our strategy with tubes is a little different. You know, most people make a big tube by continually just dip, dip, dipping it in plastic, right? You add more plastic, yeah. it gets bigger. Uh, we took the time to develop some proprietary rods and things so that a lot of our tube, the right amount of our tube is the inside diameter. 
So you've got a nice soft pocket of air. You don't have to have a fat, hard tube to have a big tube. Nice. Right? So we do. We do it, it sounds funny, and I blame Terry, but uh, you asked about the stupid tube. Well, rather than walking away from that and trying to do things different, when I rolled out my big tube, I'm like, Terry, what do we call it? And he's like, well, I've been calling it the big dummy for a while um, <laughs> because it's so big. And public. I love it. And, I love it. <laughs> And it's like, you know what? It, it's catchy. It's trendy. We like it. And, and at the end of the day, it's who we are. We don't take ourselves that serious, right? If you can't yeah, have right. fun with fishing, you probably can't have fun. Yeah. So we've got a big dummy and we've got, we've got a flipping stupid tube. And then we've got a whole assortment of jig heads of different sizes. So we've got jig heads from an eighth ounce all the way up to three quarter. And oh, wow. they're all... Yeah, they're all based on our internal rigging method. They've all been balanced and tested out to give you, you know, the the, the seductive spiral fall and the the uh, the Texas the Texas benefits of you know exposing your hook and a little bit of snag protection and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, everything from tubes to jig heads to shaky heads to lots of jig offerings. Um, we got a killer frog. I don't know if you're a topwater frog fishing guy, yeah, but we've got yeah, a frog called that. the yeah. Yeah, that thing is great. Cast it a mile, runs, you know, belly down, and, and you can fish it really slow, and it's got a lot of good things going for it. It was actually uh, the first bait. Secret Lures came about over a frog um, and a bass tournament that me and the previous owner shared water in. Um, I won a Federation Championship throwing a frog before frogging was cool, and he came and asked me about it one day, and I'm like, you know, this frog I'm using is okay, but the perfect frog would have, and I rattled off five or six features, and he congratulated me. We went our separate ways, and fast forward a few weeks, and he shows up at a boat ramp. We bump into each other again, and he had gone and made a hand-poured version of what I felt like we needed, and I was like, dude, you should you should start a company and sell that thing. You'll sell a million. Yeah, you know? right, right. <laughs> I think I That's stressed cool. it. <laughs> I love him. It all worked out, right? He got his money back out of me, and then... <laughs> That's cool, man. Yeah, I, I was, like I said, before we got on it, you know, I was kind of surfing through and uh, looking at, at the the whole catalog that you guys offer. And I saw that frog and it, yeah, that mm -hmm. looks enticing, man. I know, uh, you know, uh, we were talking earlier, Matt Gibson and I were talking and he's like, you're stupid. You should throw the stupid tube, you know, <laughs> it's that camaraderie <laughs> thing, you know. Um, and I was like, tell me more about said too stupid too. <laughs> and, uh, we kind of had cracking jokes back and forth, but, um, yeah, I didn't know that your guys's lineup was so deep on, on baits and stuff. That's, that's the one thing I, I didn't totally know. I know he mentioned jigs to me, but I didn't know about the frog and the terminal tackle. So it, it's cool, um, to see what you guys are doing, man. And, and seeing you guys grow, um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that was the appeal of the company when we were looking at them. I mean, Nathan had 250 SKUs of really good stuff that nobody knew about. Yeah. And, you know, as a, if you were to start from scratch and try to roll out with 250 SKUs, that's a long, hard road. And he was just quietly building and building and building and not selling them. And I just kept looking at it. And I'm like, man, with that much good stuff that's already done... Um, we need to get a hold of this, and we haven't let up. I mean, uh, our web guys are working on loading 80 new items to the website this week, uh, new tube colors, new jig colors. That was the challenge with COVID. Some of the projects that we had for new product introduction, they just got 
they just got freaking smashed. Yeah. Uh, so so we had to pivot there, and we're small enough we can pivot, and we went with some new colors and some new offerings that uh, keep things fresh. And and those 80 items, man, those are us. That's what we do. We we constantly are working at that. And um, you know, I can't spill the beans on some of the stuff that is back on track now that we're the supply chains are opening up, but. Man, I can't wait for 2021 because now Holly and I get to start putting our spin on some of the stuff that we think that, you know, we need. And I would say by this time next year, the Secret Lures will have 400 unique items. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. Some expansion in the works. I like it. Well, let me preface that. In the retail world, a peanut butter and jelly jig and a candy crawl jig are two items, right? I'm not talking four. But no, just skews, no, you know. Sure. Yeah, I don't I didn't want one of your listeners to think that I'm, like, you know, cranking out 480 new <laughs> bait styles. <laughs> right, yeah, no. Yeah. But still, man. No, but I got, I, got, I got two coming that we're super excited about. And, and uh, actually, I'm heading to Kentucky Lake this weekend with Matt McCoy, and we're going to work with some of this stuff and, and work on some upcoming television programs for uh, the 2021 season. So, um, we got to film quietly and uh, make sure we pick up our stuff and, and, and don't leave anything out because we're making a show before we've got all of our other ducks in a row. Uh, right. But we're excited about these. You know, if we can go to Kentucky Lake in September and catch some good fish for TV, then I know we're solid. It's a tough time to be down there right now. Yeah, I was. I just came back from there this past weekend, man. And uh, we caught some fish, but nothing, nothing big. So... Um, but it, we were talking to one of the locals at the ramp and he's like, you guys fishing for bass? He's like, what are you crazy? This ain't the time of year for bass. He's like, you should be out there catching catfish. And I was like, I'm not a cat fisherman, bro, but you know what? We caught some fish. They weren't the biggest, but Hey, we caught some fish in, in a mixed bag of largemouth and smallmouth. And I was like, I'll take that any day, you know? So it was good, man. Yeah. It was good. That's very cool, man. Well, Matt, Matt qualified for the BF All-American All on Kentucky Lake last September, and uh, I was talking to him about the trip coming up, and he's like, dude, you realize it took me, like, in, in a two-day tournament fishing my best stuff to the best of my ability, he's like, I had, like, eight fish, you know, and I don't know, yeah. it might have even been three days. He's like, so I hope you're not planning on going and, and whacking 20 pounds by lunchtime and getting the show canned. And I'm like, no, dude, that, <laughs> no, that's not the expectation. And uh, we booked a few days and, and I got all the confidence in the world and him and our tackle. But uh, we'll get what we need. You know, I don't want to I don't want to ruin it for your viewer, viewers, but it doesn't take very many fish catches to make a good show. Yeah. 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 You know, no, so. for sure. That's a, like I tell so everybody. I had a guy call me when we were down there and he was fishing a tournament down in Texas. And he's like, man, I'm making a fool of myself. Like I can't even catch a limit. And I said, dude, all it takes is five minutes and five good bites. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's just it. And it's, it's the same thing, you know, when we're making videos of us on the water and stuff like that, you know, you don't see the hours of, you know, grinding it out, looking for those fish. It's, you know, the good catches that make it to this spot. So I know exactly yeah, give me where you from. Yeah. Yep, exactly. give me this is real. Yeah. Um, so it's cool. I mean, like I said, you know, you were talking about the just the, the randomness of some of that fishing stuff. I tell my wife because now she grew up pan fishing and, and crappie fishing with her, her father and people in her family and stuff. And now we turn them at bass fish together. And 
some days, you know, we win and some days we don't. And, and one thing I always try to drive home the point is that it's literally a game of inches and seconds. Yeah. And you don't know, you know, uh, two inches to the right, five seconds sooner, and you might have caught the fish of a lifetime or, you know, you just don't know. And you can't you can't visually see what's happening around you. But right. I, I think that's the fun of the sport. That's the fun of the sport. And, you know, uh, a lot of what we'll do this weekend is stupid tube related. And, man, if there's a bait that a guy needs to have tied on when it's brutal, it's a stupid yeah. tube. You know, if you catch him in Indiana, he'll catch him anywhere, right? So yeah. we're going to go and make it do what it's supposed to do. And, and we're going to make some good TV out of it for um, uh, a couple of upcoming programs with our friends over at Careco TV. So we're excited about that. Very cool, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we're winding down here, man. I'll uh, I'll give you the floor. Um, tell people where they can go to find the baits, social media, all that stuff, man. Plug, plug it all. <laughs> now, I feel like you've been so gracious. I feel like I've plugged everything I could think to plug, but I did not give you the website, and that's secretlures.com. Uh, you know, on social, we're Secret Lures, uh, and on Facebook, we're Secret Lures Company, but... Um, you know, our folks are working on some of the Google stuff. So I think if you if you slam Secret Lures in Google, you'll find us within the, you know, right there at the top of the page somewhere. Uh, and I just encourage people to check it out. You know, give us a follow. And, and you know, for your kayak audience, uh, you know, the, the tube is a great place to start. And if a person's wanting to introduce it and, and check it out, we took the time to package up our three top-selling colors of tube and our two top-selling jig heads. Uh it's in a kit. It's $18.99, six bucks shipping, 25 bucks. You got everything you need to have what you need to, you know, go down the rabbit hole of the stupid tube. You know, I think you yeah. said it earlier. It's a, you go down the hole, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. I warn everybody though, that you buy a kit and you're probably going to be hooked because so far, most people that buy a kit end up buying a lot more. So buyer beware. That's cool, man. Yeah, I saw that when I was surfing around on the website, and I'm like, yeah, I need to order one of these just to get me started, you know. And I, I'm going to call him out right now. Matt Gibson told me, like, months ago he was going to send me stupid tubes, and he never did. So I'm calling you out, Matt. I know you're listening. <laughs> no, it's cool, man. I, I love I like the exposure that Matt's helped give us opportunities like this, so I'm going to cover Matt's butt. You email me back at that your address, and I'm going to get Matt off the hook, man. You beat on him today, and I feel oh, bad for the guy. He's a good no, dude. No, you He's never let him off the hook. You never let that guy off the hook. You give him an inch, he'll take a mile. Just saying. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. There's no such I'm thing kidding. as a free lunch. There's no such thing as a free lunch. I'll get mine, too. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, man, for for taking the time out tonight and chatting with us and, uh, you know, spreading the good word about uh, Secret Lures. We much appreciate it. Guys, gals listening, go give them a follow on uh, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. And and check out the lures. Like I said, the tube is their specialty, but they still have some good looking jigs like Danny talked about, some terminal tackle, things like that. and, And the frog. I know we're winding down on frog season. If you're in the south listening, you probably got plenty of frogging time left. But, uh, yeah, go give them a follow and check them out. And, uh, Danny, thank you again for taking the time out. We much appreciate it. And uh, until next time, guys and girls, tight lines and smooth paddling. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com.
paddleandfin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at paddleandfin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at paddleandfin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle and Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20 and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs. 